Chapter 5, Finding and Eliminating Healthcare System Dysfunction Rita was impressed. As promised, the morning after the meeting with Steve and Kim, she received an email requesting information to begin her company's healthcare assessment. She understood from their comments that it was important that she and her CFO be actively involved in the initial assessment, setting the strategy, and then at least monitoring the process quarterly. Unless they were active in setting the agenda and supporting the process, there would be a whole lot of stress and anxiety among the HR staff that could easily stall the process. Another point that she heard loud and clear in the presentation was that there were going to have to be some changes. How, in the current system, the incentives of their vendors are misaligned with the companies paying the bills. Starting with the average broker consultant who usually receives a percentage of revenue from the vendors they recommend to the insurance, pharmaceutical, PBM, medical providers, all of whom do better when more money is spent, regardless of the quality provided. Coupled with this thick jargon and very complex contracts, it is not surprising that HR, the CFO, and other leadership end up in one-sided agreements. But it did not need to be this way. It was her company and her money that was funding this dysfunction, and she could choose to go a different way and find consultants, programs, and insurance vendors who would align with and support a new way of doing business. Rita was excited but a bit anxious to find out what the status of her situation was and what the opportunity was going to be. She hoped that they would find a lot of opportunity but felt a little embarrassed that others would see if she had not been doing a good job. Rita recalled the story where the HR lead had felt so threatened that senior executives would fire them if they had realized how much money he had cost his company executive team and employees. If you ever send this assessment to my senior leadership, I will sue you and cost you tens of thousands of dollars, was the message delivered to Steve and Kim as they were expeditiously escorted from the business. Rita sat at her desk as her new CFO, Mike Adams, alertly sat across from her as the morning traffic outside their building was winding down. Her previous CFO, Brad Winters, who had worked with her father, retired a few months prior. Here, Mike, take a look at the healthcare benefit assessment from the proactive team we met with yesterday. She handed him a piece of paper labeled Healthcare Benefit Assessment. Thank you for your time yesterday. Below is the information we gather to complete your 30-day assessment. The moment you provide us with the following information, we will run our analysis and schedule to reconnect with a review of our findings. Number one, your enrollment guide. Number two, copies of your contracts with your insurance company, the PBM, stop-loss insurance, disability, volunteer benefits, and other benefit vendors as appropriate. Number three, the last two years end-of-year utilization and management summary report from each of your benefit vendors, if it's available. Number four, a summary of three years of large claims above $25,000, including diagnosis and costs, if it's available. And number five, a member-level census. You know, if I didn't love saving money so much, I think this was a pretty annoying to-do list, said the even-tempered CFO. I can't agree more. Just looking at this health benefit assessment request makes me realize how executives would rather just focus on running their business and growing it rather than getting in the weeds with their own benefits, Rita said. Are you saying we're in a swamp of dysfunction? Asked Mike with a grin. Huh. Well, like they say, 
If it saves us 10% or more of our health benefit spend and moves it to our bottom line, then I'll wish we'd fixed our dysfunction a long time ago. But I honestly would never know without looking into the details like this. Agreed, said Mike with a tactician's resolve. He popped out of his chair and held the paper out as if he was miming his intention. This is going to be on my corkboard. When shall I say we'll have the results back to proactive, asked Rita. Give my team 10 days, then we'll get back to you in a week and you'll be impressed, responded the CFO as he winked and rounded the corner out of Rita's door. Seven days later at 2 p.m., Jeff delivered the assessment checklist to Rita. She reviewed it and forwarded it on to Steve and Kim. Three weeks to the day, Rita was staring at the assessment and immediately wondered how they'd let this level of unaccountability creep into their culture. With time crunches shortening and unchecked delegation proliferating, she knew that meetings with outside consultants like Kim and Steve were essential, but had pushed it to the side into the I'll do it later file. The value of an outside perspective is laughingly cliche, but often lost within the tyranny of the urgent. A simple Google search of management consultants turns into over a million options. And the first page real estate doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best. It predominantly indicates they're the best marketers. Thank goodness for personal referrals and mentors like Peter Pollard, she thought. 30 days later, the report arrived just as promised. Kim and Steve emailed over the high-level summary for her to review and requested 40 to 60 minutes with the key leadership to review the results. When she completed her review, she experienced anticipatory excitement. It was obvious that things were going to get better, and she knew change is always hard. There was no question the old broker needed to be replaced with the new team, and steps taken to open a new door in providing health benefits for her employees and their families. She was surprised that she didn't feel embarrassed in the least. Rather, she felt both gratitude and a bit of pride for taking the new approach. She then thought about her insurance broker, who was 100% on board with doing the best she could for best. But Rita wondered how she could have been so naive about the dysfunction in healthcare and allowed them to have gotten so far off course. Who can blame all the middlemen for wanting to maximize their revenue and profits, but doing it without transparency under the table in so many ways, who would have thought? Trust but verify from now on. Knowing and liking her broker was important, but not enough going forward. She'd make sure the data was in and evaluated in the future. Spontaneously, Rita picked up her phone and called Steve's direct line listed on the bottom of the assessment. Steve answered his phone after a few rings. Wow, 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 what a report, were the first words out of Rita's mouth. I'm appreciative and impressed with your work. I cannot wait to get going, both for the employees and for the company. Steve expressed his appreciation, then paused and asked, would it be okay for me to bring Kim onto the call? Of course, Rita replied. After a moment, they rejoined. Kim, I was just saying to Steve, this assessment process is amazing. I can see the possibility of a rapid 10% reduction in our healthcare costs, and that's just taking the first few steps into mine. I'm excited to bring this to our executive team without the corporate guillotine, of course. There will be a few shocked faces in the room, but I'd like for both of you to attend. One issue I want to make sure you focus on is the affordability piece. Am I reading this correctly? Are 72% of our employees functionally uninsured? 
They have insurance, but they likely can't afford to use it? Kim responded, yes, this is normal with today's focus on high-deductible health plans. If you'd like us to, Steve and I can build a plan for your employees that will not cost more, and they will be able to afford to use it if they need to. It restricts some choices by forcing the employees to participate in primary care and use the highest quality health care resources, but it improves quality dramatically and guarantees affordability. Rita emphatically responded, we're going to do this. That's a part of our plan. Please coordinate a time as soon as possible, Monday or Tuesday, with my assistant. Before we hang up, I have a quick question. Is this a common result? Is this the usual job done by health insurance brokers? Why would the one we have now not try to be a hero and save us money when it's so obvious and available? It's not a simple answer, but most of it stems from misaligned incentives. How much more time do you have for this call? Asked Kim, half expecting her to say it could wait for the meeting. I've got 25 minutes, responded Rita. Oh, okay, well, put your seatbelt on, said Kim. This answer won't take that long. In fact, if we go back to $1960 compared to what wages are in America today, they've gone up 16%. Looking up the gross domestic product, it's gone up 168%. But if you look at the percentage increase in our national health care expenditures, it's gone up by 818%. Healthcare has become big business, 20% of the U.S. GDP. It's the place to make money. Doctors who used to feel a responsibility for their patients now answer to private equity and corporate America. With the changes in healthcare, the center of gravity has shifted from medical professionals to insurance companies, PBMs, hospital systems, and other vendors. The profession has become big business, and the doctor's role, power, and attitudes have changed. Steve spoke up. Listen, my dad's a doctor, and my daughter is a doctor. The pressures that are on my daughter are very different than the ones that were on me and have nothing to do with what were on my dad when he was practicing medicine in the 1960s. So we want to reveal this and help you as a corporate leader see what is really going on in the assessment and in front of you. The first thing to realize is that most of the increase is not money going to doctors and others who are actually taking care of patients. The big part of the increase is middleman. In 1960, it was 8%, maybe 10% of the premiums that you're paying went to administrative health care costs. Today, it's 33% and growing. Your current broker, like most health benefit brokers today, are part of a system that's designed to maximize profit from every angle, especially fees and incentives. Many of the brokerage firms have been rolled up by private equity or gone public, often shifting the focus from mission to reducing costs to clients and profits. Shareholders insist on growth and excellent returns. But innovation to maximize profits doesn't always mean improvement in care and well-being of those being served. In healthcare, much like the 2008 and 2009 Great Recession fueled by negative innovation, where deregulation fanned the flames of derivatives, subprime lending, and predatory financial products, healthcare costs are being fueled not by a more effective and safer product, but by opaque transactions that increase the fees and misguided incentives at every step in the process. Given a chance for opportunistic creativity in that middleman space, healthcare costs continue to consistently increase. This is what we identify in the fixed cost restructuring portion of our work. 
Over the past three weeks, we have started by carefully looking at your insurance company and pharmacy contracts. The 10% that you see in immediate savings is typical of most companies. It is money that you didn't know was being spent without value to your employees and their families as a result of a system without transparency and purposefully built to be opaque and overly complex. Very few people understood the financial house of cards our 2008 economy was built on. A few keen eyes raised red flags, but the economy was rocking and rolling. Hear no evil, speak no evil, and see no evil. Our job is to work with you to discover these fees and to minimize them wherever possible. We take a very practical approach to these issues. Usually, by cleaning up and tightening your contracts, we immediately add 10% of your healthcare spend back to your bottom line. Over the next two years, we will continue to tighten the agreements and bring true innovation to you to consider. A quick example of this is what we call a transparent PBM, which unveils the actual costs of your medication spend and changes the incentives for your PBM from making money on the spread, what they buy drugs for versus what they sell them to you for, to getting paid a fair price for their services. Pharmacy costs are usually about 30% of your total spend. This reduces these costs by 25 to 50%, depending on your contract, resulting in another 7 to 10% of savings. Over time, we correct these issues with all of your vendors, reducing fees and finding the highest performers. Kim continued, I managed the P&L of a large insurance company. Over time, it became clear to me that what we were doing was unsustainable and hurting a lot of people and corporations. The mantra was, where there's mystery, there is margin. And we purposefully wrote vague contracts with flexible terms that arrived for signatures months after we were already operational with the company. We took advantage of the complexity and relative naivete of well-intentioned HR staff and distracted executives to generate record-setting profits almost every year. After a period of time, I realized I was on the wrong side ethically and the moral injury of propagating a broken system led me to leave. Now, in our consulting, we provide benefit expertise to corporations to prevent this from continuing to happen to them. But we're optimistic this will soon be changing. You'll be interested to know that in January of 2022, new reporting requirements were put into place for brokers and consultants. So much grift and distrust has been generated that the U.S. president literally put an executive order in place called the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021, or CAA, that empowers corporations to require broker consultants and other vendors, when requested by the client, to reveal the money they're making off their clients, most of which the clients had no idea was flowing. It highlights the fiduciary responsibility of the corporate officers to make sure that their employees' money is being spent wisely, much like the 401k legislation did 10 years ago that led to major changes in how companies offered 401k plans. We are just seeing this start to appear in the marketplace, and we think it will lead to a lot of stunned business executives that will demand things be done differently. I'm a clinician, added Steve. I view things from the care side of the equation. It was no surprise to me when the Institute of Medicine published a report stating that 33 to 50 percent of every dollar spent in health care is going not to the patient care or prevention, but to fraud, waste, and abuse. 
Kim and I are passionate about being guides for your company, its employees, and their families, leading them through a better health care door. Your employees and their families are paying a lot for their coverage and deserve access to the best doctors and care. Not just any doctor or health care providers, regardless of the care they're providing. Kim continued, Generally speaking, our clients have 100 or more employees because this is the number where most executives see it becomes worth spending the time and energy needed to do our analysis, to find significant savings, and to spend the energy to create improvement in the morale and culture of their company. Over time, there's no question that you can flatten or reduce your healthcare spend if you're willing to commit the resources to putting the right plan in place, hiring the right vendors, creating the right health benefit design, and creating a culture of well-being. This is also why Steve is an important part of the solution we provide. The data leads to wisdom, and the analysis we do of your data shines a light directly on what would improve the health and well-being of those on your benefit plan. Protecting you contractually and protecting your people through their healthcare journey are our top two priorities. I love that well-being is a part of the strategy, Steve. How will you be working with us over the next few months? Asked Rita. I'll be working with your HR staff to do a comprehensive assessment of your current culture of health and well-being. While Kim gets your contracts and provides tactical approaches to the fixed cost restructuring, I will evaluate 50 aspects of your current culture to identify what is working and where there are opportunities. Your company will get a score from 1 to 1,000, revealing how well you are performing in these key areas. At the conclusion of this, I will deliver a report identifying where there is to do and the best way to do it. This is important for two reasons. It clearly outlines what's needed, and it identifies the financial impact of these changes. We know that for every 50-point improvement in your score, your healthcare trend will be reduced by 1%. Said another way, we can reduce your trend from a positive 5% to a flat spend by improving your score by 250 points on average. This moves the team from theory to real numbers, from opinions to science, and has the CFO, HR, and other executives aligned and clearly understanding the opportunity. Armed with this analysis, your HR team, working with the other executives, will agree on the specific tactics to move things ahead at the pace you're ready to embrace. When this is done, we're ready to make the changes and have an all-hands-on-deck meeting to share how the corporation will be moving forward. Rita sent over the change in broker of record that afternoon. The leadership met, reviewed the assessment, and the first steps were identified. Kim and Steve were given the green light to move forward on all fronts. Over the next six weeks, the fruits of these efforts emerged. It was a busy time, particularly for the HR staff, but Kim and Steve did the bulk of the work and clear plans of action on the fixed cost restructuring and culture of well-being were created.